Welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Alex Ashkin. And I'm Frankie Preslav. Thank you for joining us for a new edition of Indiana's only queer public affairs radio show. We conveniently post to WFHB.org, so if you can't listen live, you can hear this and other episodes online via the WFHB website. Each and every week, we produce a show by and for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and ally community. Our listeners can always count on us to cover the most pressing issues, interesting people, (coughs) and lasting events affecting LGBTQ life in Indiana, the U.S., and across the world. So, Frankie, how have you been doing this week? Well, I've uh doing well actually. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I won't share my entire story, but I had a active afternoon. Um, but everything is is back together. Mm-hmm. Um getting ready for spring break. Aren't um, we all? <laughs> yeah. We uh I have uh four of the kids are off for one week and the other one is off for two weeks and Kelly and I are heading out to New York tomorrow uh, morning for a, a long weekend in the city so looking forward to that and then back to the rat race at home to um, figure out what we're going to do for the next <laughs> two weeks with the kids absolutely yeah no i think we can all agree this is a busy time even I, i'm pretty sure our guest kevin is you know busy you're absolutely. an IU student so absolutely are you going anywhere kevin I'm going to Chicago to okay. spend the week. Is that where your family's from? Um, no, that? my boyfriend lives out okay. there. Okay, so. awesome. That'll be a nice weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll be heading out to sunny California, yeah. so unfortunately, folks, you won't be hearing this lovely voice Aww. next week. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps maybe during the interview, though. Perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get you on there and stuff. So good. So everybody's doing well, and I guess we'll kind of start our show in yeah. topics. So our featured stories focus on... St- events both here and abroad. Tonight we'll be taking a look at a recent Newsweek expose that details 34 active gay priests and six seminarians in Italy. The story, which was originally (coughs) reported by the Italian news outlet Correa de Sera, was based off of a dossier prepared by Francesco Mangiacapra, a gay male escort who documented explicit messages and photos in his of his clients in WhatsApp. WhatsApp is a popular alternative to Facebook Messenger worldwide, as it runs on even the most basic smartphones. So the question here today is, are these men of the cloth sinners in need of repentance, or do they need to come clean regarding their behavior? Honestly, I always feel like religion and sex and all these things is a a little bit of a thorny topic. It obviously brings up some strong feelings in people. But I find this sort of an interesting uh, story as a whole. Obviously, the Catholic Church has a longstanding history regarding uh, homosexuality and uh 
there are policies against it, but almost nearly as long as sort of uh, scandals and other things involving not just the Catholic Church, but many other places worldwide. I, I don't think there's a single religious institution that is necessarily immune to those sort of things. Right. So my first question is, do you think that there will ever be a possibility of the Catholic Church being accepting of the LGBTQ community and queer lifestyles? Well, I don't know. I'm just going to go backwards on this, and I think they should just let the boys have fun. I mean, you know, this is, uh, you know, they're, they're out. They got their What's Up app, and they're moving along. They're all adults kind of doing their thing. But then somebody has to kind of throw in the, the spear and, and kind of mix it up there. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think the Catholic community and, you know, a lot of the other religious communities, I think there'll be, I don't know, a time when they'll get over it, but maybe they'll, you know, be a little nicer um, as it kind of moves along. So, um, you know, we, I think we, we've probably at one of the closest points mm-hmm. where, you know, we have a Pope there that uh, at least is, has an ear. He hasn't been, uh, you, I, I don't think we'd call him an ally, um, but it isn't as, I think, angry. And I think people f- are feeling that there might be some change in the air, but there's definitely some issues mm-hmm. rumbling mm-hmm. around in the church. I absolutely agree. I, I think to a certain degree, we're at a point that there is at least the groundwork for change. At the same time, um, I, I think that the LGBTQ... Do you think change, you know, I mean, we, we still don't have women priests. There's still a oh, lot of... yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's still a long way to go, so oh, I wouldn't get absolutely. too excited about that. No, and that's where, where I was sort of going okay, is sorry, like, you know, I think there's certain things that are a little bit more, in a sense, uh, core to the identity of the institution. And part of that is sort of the way they deal with sex and gender. Um, it is relatively rigid at the end of the day. And I, I find that there are tons of Catholics who are accepting of LGBTQ lifestyle, but still I, I can't imagine a single person who is, you know, a liberal Catholic who would say, yeah, I could see, you know, my priest, my, my church, you know, coming out in support of this. Yeah, I just kind of think back to when the Pope um, in 2013, when he said, who am I to judge when he was talking about LGBTQ people? Um, And I think that was a really important moment um, in just in terms of acceptance and that I I don't think either that we're going to see gay priests anytime soon. But I think that um, we are starting to see the church be more accepting uh, to gay people uh, in their congregations um, and, and just in the communities in general. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, you know, see a gay priest, you know, there's gay priests. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. you know, but yes, being an open gay priest yeah. or open priest in that sense, I don't know. I, I mean, I would be amazed in my lifetime if, if that should happen. But also, at the same extent, I was amazed when I saw gay marriage happen in my lifetime. Yeah. So I guess anything's possible. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, we can only, you know, it's, I don't know. Yeah. And, So one of the other things that sort of has been rattling around in my head is the question of, so this individual, uh, Mr. Mangia Capra, really sort of took this into his own hands. He he 
documented all this stuff. He, I guess he's based out of Naples, got all this, assembled what is supposedly a 1,200-page dossier and sent this information directly to the Vatican. Now, he's a prostitute. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, I, okay. so my question is, though, is sort of the way he went about it, is this sort of beneficial towards, like, fostering any, you know, pot, like, potential growth out of this situation getting getting anywhere in this discussion? Or is it, in a certain way, just somebody airing dirty laundry? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know enough about... I mean, I've, I've read kind of all the surface articles and stuff, so I haven't really got to the meat of it. Um, I mean, yeah, I think it could definitely be that he, you know, is, is upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's mm-hmm. maybe getting back at a boyfriend and a couple of them. <laughs> um, and this is the way, you know, I mean, he's going to bring down a lot of people this way. Um, I don't know. It's just like, it's... I, you know, I don't think being gay is a bad thing. And this is kind of, you know, how the article comes across is that, you know, oh, my God, there's there's gays within the church. And, you know, well, no kidding. Um, and, you know, sh- we need to be quiet about it. And it doesn't happen within. But we know they're humans mm-hmm. um, and they have needs and whatever else. And they're all adults. And, you know, and I definitely have a different kind of take on it because I'm not Catholic for one. But, you know, I just think that uh yeah i think he might have had a, a another agenda you know i don't think it's just kind of one agenda to say hey this is going on and you guys need to deal with it i think what happens is that you end up pushing more priests into the closet because they're all scared right now and you know any other priests that might be out there and 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 that might be affected and how this might touch that are that are happen to be gay and not out and and maybe play on the side which i guess you know is not a good thing when you're a priest (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so i don't know i mean it'll be interesting to see what happens i mean i hate to see you know individuals that are I mean, they're dealing with their own sexuality, you know, and, and, and they're, like you said, they're not, um, it, it's not a, an age thing. These are adults. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. we're not talking about breaking laws. We're, you know, you're breaking other things. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting on, on how the church will, will, will deal with it. It will just kind of make it all quiet. These guys all disappear. They lose their positions. And, you know, in the Vatican, which I'm assuming might happen, um, but no, I mean, he's destroying a lot of people's lives. Yeah. I think there would have been maybe another way of going about it without names. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I have no idea, honestly, if he took this to Corrie de la Sera uh, prior to sending the information to the Vatican. Uh, all I know is that they were kind of the first outlet to run the the findings of the dossier um i feel i i don't know if there is any sort of way that he could have you know gone through an archbishop or some sort of archdiocese or anything like that um and this is sort of me unfortunately feigning ignorance because i really am not super knowledgeable well about. i think you know i mean if they're doing what's up apps and they're sending out you know personal photos of themselves you know through and you know no, not instagram i'm sorry but through you know uh messenger and whatever um obviously they were pretty comfortable about it i don't know if there was any faces involved in those but i'm assuming yes so uh, you know what 
it'd be interesting <clears throat> to find out kind of what kind of the subculture was going on that it, it seems like they were you know if, if you're putting out your your photo you know on an, on an app and you're having these conversations that are highly sexual um and and you, you're a priest <laughs> in the vatican um you know you might think that you're insulated that you're you know that that's a whole nother story of what's really going on over there and and yes maybe it'll bring everything to light that um people can take a deep breath and say it's not the end of the world and you know there are gay and straight priests obviously and you know are they sinners then i mean of course that's what they believe um and you know it'll just uh, it'll be interesting again i keep saying going back to that again but um on on how the church will will definitely deal with this uh, but I guess I want the the inside story. I want more of the you know yeah. how, how how why are these guys so comfortable you know throwing this out yeah. there? They're and <laughs> you know what? How did you know twelve hundred pages of this sort of stuff kind of coalesce? Because from what it sounds like, it, it said approximately you know forty some odd individuals, but that <laughs> for over a thousand pages worth of in quote-unquote intelligence gathering is pretty uh, significant. So I, I, who knows sort of the full uh, weight of the discussions that were being had and so on. But that being said, um, it, it don't, I don't think we're at a point where we're going to ever have at least any solid closure perhaps on this discussion because we probably won't even hear necessarily what the church decides to do. Uh, if I had to guess, it'll probably be, you know, not They'll keep it hush. They'll well, keep it hush. Well, regardless of if they, you know, make it all hush hush or not, I, I don't think they want to. Well, I don't think we're, we're, we're past the hush. Yeah. So um, there's going to be, but I think it's like you said, I think that you might see some priests, and bishops suddenly disappear, right? right as as right. they've done they, with they go previous off the scandals, and yes, <laughs> yeah, and I mean reassignments, that, reassignments exactly. to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know it'll you know I, I think it's a discussion that needs to happen. Um, obviously, um, I think that uh, you know it's, it's it depends on 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 and then and and what the prisoners will will do with it. You know, at that point as well, is that, you know, this is like, okay, it's out there. We know that, you know, but I guess the argument is again that, you know, you just don't have sex outside <laughs> the church. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> keep, it, well, keep it quiet, boys. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. So, um, our second item tonight is regarding the recent decision by the Washington State Legislator to ban conversion therapy for minors. Uh, Senate Bill 5722 passed in a 33 to 16 vote in the Washington House and is now awaiting the approval of Washington Democrat Governor Jay Ensign Lee. I think I pronounced that wrong. Um, the the effect of the bill would uh, label conversion therapy um, performed on minors as unprofessional co conduct. Um, and uh, basically your license can be uh, taken away and there can be a lot of, uh, you know, ramifications on that, on that side. So w w what are your thoughts on this one? I know that, you know, Indiana, we just kind of um, went through that with uh, our um, 
vice president when he was mm-hmm. trying to push that through here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to see that, uh, you know, the, we have a governor in Washington state that's saying, hey, this isn't cool. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I found really interesting about the, this is it really started, made me ask, like, okay, where is this band elsewhere? Mm-hmm. Like, n- there's obviously other states. There's probably other places beyond just the, like, full state bands. And so what I found out is that there's a total of nine states, including the District of Columbia, that have a f- outright ban. California was the first. Uh, it was uh, authored originally by now Congressman Ted Liu, uh, which, uh, surprising enough, there's actually a similar version to the California ban that is in the federal or in the U.S. Congress right now that is titled the Therapeutic Fraud Prevention Act. Um, that being said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious because it seems like this is sort of a logical step in a certain way that um, a little bit of, I guess, self-determination for an individual um, that basically saying, you know, if they're a kid... Well, they they need to you know figure out themselves. They need to grow, up, become of age, you know. And if they still feel uncomfortable about it, if there is that sort of issue, they can then admit themselves, um, which is difficult to sort of conceive, right? A little bit and difficult to sort yeah, of... Yeah, I think somebody that would um, practice in conversion therapy with adults mm-hmm. needs some therapy themselves. <laughs> so, you know, it's... Um, <laughs> You, you know, it's you know, you can't change the the color of your your spots. They are what they are, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of therapy, you know, can you know, depending on what it is. But you know, to convince somebody they're not who they are um, is you know problematic, um, in my opinion. Um, but yes, if you're an adult and you feel that uh, you need to go to someone, um, I, I don't think. You know, under the guidelines of a licensed therapy, that anybody with that particular license should be practicing. Um, but at the same time, you know, if if you're, because I guess it could cause more, you know, issues for that individual. Because mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. there's there's not a cure. <laughs> you are who yeah. you are, and if you're going into that and you you're you're seeing someone that has definite beliefs that you know what you who you are is 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 wrong um i i don't see where the the help's going to come in there yeah i i think there's a lot of different ways you can kind of break it apart i think and i i can only imagine in a sense what that individual that sort our hypothetical individual would be going through to sort of feel like it's necessary um to a degree, I would love to see things where there are other alternative resources made what available. What do you mean? Um, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, 
in a sense, gender identity therapy, where being okay, like understanding and kind of coming to right, terms. Coming to terms on it's okay to be who you are, Well, but and, not that who you are is wrong. Yeah, but not just that, but a lot of times I think people uh, feel so obligated to kind of uh, fit within the mold to just sort of be that you know, put on airs and be the standard sort of everyday person that... Right, so you see a therapist that will help you kind of see it's okay to think outside the bubble regardless. Yeah, and just sort of in a certain way educate them because I think a lot of times that's one of the biggest barriers is, well, I've never met somebody who's LGBTQ. I've never talked to somebody who, you know, has sort of explained, you know, how did they get to this point in their lives? How did they understand their identity? Because I think a lot of times we do sort of understand things through relating to other people's experiences. And um, I think in a certain sense, uh, academically and fundamentally, it's pretty easy to sort of say, I understand it's okay to be myself, but to sort of see people who embody that belief and succeed and are happy and say, you know what, like they went through some trauma or they went through their own journey in life and came out, you know, better for it and, you know, more understanding of themselves. I can be that way too. Right. I mean, I think heterosexual, bisexual, homosexual <laughs> all of that i think yeah i mean you know there there's a we we all have to kind of grow and develop into who we are but you know the conversion therapy side you know is basically you know at the stance that you know who you are is wrong it's a you know it's mm-hmm. it's a sin and and you're a bad person um you have to have better control of your 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 sexuality your motives um, so that's the problem with mm-hmm, conversion mm-hmm. therapy. But therapy in general, I don't have a problem with. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, we, we all just in your identity of who you are, you know, mm-hmm. what, what's my meaning in life kind of thing. But I think when we want to change the core, which I believe, you know, is I, you know, people ask me, you know, when we get into discussions, you know, Frankie, when did you know that you were gay? And I'm like, well, I didn't, never knew that I wasn't. I knew that I... I had issues with it only because society did. And I I thought I could change by finding the right woman or something to to change. That's what I went to bed every night, you know, praying that I'd wake up straight, which didn't happen, obviously, after 25 years with my husband um, (laughs) and eight kids later. Um, But... It's, you know, when I, when I always turn that around and it's like, you know, to, to a heterosexual individual, it's like, well, when did you wake up and decide that you were heterosexual? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's like, well, I don't remember that happening. And it's like, you know, it's the same, the same story over here. I don't remember when I decided, but I remember being conscious about being different or it not being, you know, an, a, a world that was going to, to necessarily accept you know, who I was. I had to accept who I was and then the world could... You know, we can work our way around there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, the real aim of this bill is just to protect protect the uh, vulnerable vulnerable people, you know, in society, and that um, you know, kids that are younger than eighteen, we use kind of eighteen as that benchmark. Right. On, then you enter day. into adulthood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And so but I think, think that could be sorry to interrupt. No, you're but fine. I think that could be that's it's dangerous on how it's worded in the sense that yeah we're protecting the minors, which is yes is yeah. very important. And when you're an adult, you 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 know hopefully have better you know decision mm-hmm. mechanisms or coping mechanisms. But uh, you know I, I think just to to leave that gap even open to think that it could be a therapy, yeah. um, you know I think are going to end up you know, causing a lot of really yeah. bad, you know, situations yeah. for people. I think they're just trying to provide the opportunity that so that, you know, younger people can find themselves. Because uh, really right around that age, if you think about it, I know I came out when I was 18. Uh, and so I think that that's an important time when right. you're going through high school and that type of thing and really discovering yourself and exposing yourself to the world and realizing that there are other people. So, so as a there. child, young person, did you know who you were? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just something you struggle with, right. you know, mm-hmm. to come mm-hmm. to terms with the fact that, yes, I am gay and yes, it is okay. Um, and I did not mean for that to rhyme, but... You're a poet, you don't But yeah, coming to terms with who you are and, and getting comfortable enough in that to actually come out and to accept it. And that's a long process and that takes a lot of years for, for a lot of people. Right. And it's good to have, you know, an educated support, support team out there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when the government jumps in and, you know, kind of throws things up, <laughs> say, hey, yeah. we, we accept this type of therapy, the conversion therapy, I think is, again, yeah. so dangerous. Um, we live in a, again, we always toot the horn of Bloomington, a community where you have so many different options Absolutely. out there and you have a supported supporting community um but there's just so many other communities around that don't have that type of support for people and that's what you know in in the big picture of where i this kind of stuff on the on the flip side of not saying hey conversion therapy is just bad all around that you leave pockets of it open um you know it's it ends up uh you know causing so many you know bad situations for individuals. Yeah, and I th- I think it's sort of interesting that you mention Indiana and just sort of the local community because there's one of the things that I, I found sort of curious in my research was that there's a bunch of states uh, who are currently considering bills similar to the one that had just passed the Washington legislature. We have Arizona, Colorado, Florida, uh, Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania, Texas, Wisconsin, Kentucky, and more. So I kind of wonder, uh, you know, why hasn't this been pushed by at least, you know, one of our Indiana legislators? Have you met them? <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I have. Well, no. I'm just thinking right now that we don't even have a hate crimes bill in this state, and mm-hmm. we're only one of five states not to have one of those. So mm-hmm. I think I think this is not even on the radar right now, even though I think all of us in this room agree that maybe it should be. Right. I guess the good thing was that, I mean, they you know, with when, when Pence was doing his little thing, you know, at, at what was that, two years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, it, not, you know, it died and, and, and it didn't go any further than that, but it's still out there. And we do have a, a fairly conservative legislator legislation that, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised because Indiana loves to go against the grain on stuff like this, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that, that it does pop up, not in the way that we were hoping, 
Um, but I don't know. Maybe we learned our lessons, yeah. and maybe people, like you said, are going to look for other, you know, more important issues. And I, I think Kevin actually hit the nail on the head. You know, it, it, to a certain degree, the, this type of legislation, especially in Indiana, would be putting the cart before the horse. Um, as you said, a hate crimes bill or, uh, you know, some sort of legislation codifying sexual orientation into uh, civil rights law, preventing discrimination, that sort of stuff will probably have to happen first. That being said, I wouldn't, I was a little surprised to hear that nothing like this has ever been proposed in Indiana simply because you do have uh, legislators who sometimes are sort of getting, uh, trying to make their sort of moment in when, when they're in state Congress saying like, this, I'm a champion for these rights. I know this isn't going to pass, but I want people to know that I support this. And I'm going to author a bill and it might, you know, be a complete dud and, you know, fail on the first vote or not even make it out. Have you, I, I, I can't recall, but uh, you did a little more research than I have for the this particular topic. Did you see anything, you know, where you've seen bills um, at least come up or committee meetings or... Oh, I mean... The best example is in, uh, you know, Nash- or the U.S. Congress, uh, as I said. I'm uh, d- no, I'm just talking about Indiana. Oh, Indiana? No. No, no I mean, I know no, on the other no, side. No. Um, yeah. To my <laughs> knowledge, not. <laughs> right. I, I did right. a little bit of digging. Um, and that sort of led me to my last little bit, which is beyond states, uh, it, counties and cities have also sometimes put in these types of bands. Uh, before Washington State had a band, Seattle had mm-hmm. one. Um, Ohio is considering a band currently, but places like, I believe, Cincinnati and Dayton, and uh, I cannot remember if there's other major cities in Ohio, but it, in Florida, Miami Beach has a band. So when I was sort of thinking about this, it seems to be in sort of these urban pockets and then there'll be large areas, you know, on all sides that are just sort of apathetic to it. So is this sort of indicative of a potential, you know, growing rift between urban living and sort of rural or because I feel like Indiana to a certain degree, Bloomington is this great microcosm of a little bit of both. Right. And I mean, you grew up on a farm, Frankie. Right. <laughs> so, right. you know, to a certain degree, it's um, like, could, I could see Bloomington passing something like this, but at the same time, would it mean anything? Right. It's not going to hold, you know, no. I mean, you, you're probably be run out of town but you know the we have our share of conservative churches within you know this community that do offer therapy i don't know if conversion therapy is something that they do i'm assuming that you know i'm not going to be surprised to hear that there isn't one or two churches that you know has a quote therapist in um in house that you know works with you know 
you know, clients on conversion therapy. Um, but I, I think mainstream Bloomington, no. I mean, it would you'd get, you know, I would, I would hope, ran out of town. Um, That's sort of interesting, though, because to me, I think, you know, you, you can't really divide those two into, like, mainstream Bloomington and, you know, the rest of Bloomington, the outer Bloomington. <laughs> right, the, the other side. Yeah. Past them all. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that's sort of the thing, you know. I, I Even I, I live out past 37, and, you know, it, it despite it only being a 15-minute drive from the studio, it, it feels like a different world. Yeah, definitely. You know, people have different views. But the, the, the good news is Bloomington that, you know, the homosexuals do go other places. <laughs> so they, you know, Green County, you know, you know, all over Monroe County, you know, I think it, it, it's vast and wide mm-hmm. as far as, you know, where you might find people that uh, have quote different lifestyles than what you might have. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, how change starts is that you meet your neighbor and you find out they're similar to you in a lot of ways. And, you know, you break down barriers and, you know, and it's, when we lived rural as well, when we were younger, Kelly and I, when we were first together, I mean, we had a lot of conservative, you know, I think majority of our neighbors were very conservative, but they met Kelly for who and I, for who we were and met our children. And, 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 you know, the barriers started breaking down because they thought it, it's all as, as as crazy as they were. <laughs> you know, we were, we weren't. You know, we were just you yeah. know this couple doing our thing, um, and 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 that's how it's done. You know, by you know people leaving kind of the safety of of, of Bloomington, but being more importantly, being comfortable enough to to move to go out and live in the counties. Um, and you know, I think that. I, I have, you know, hope in humanity and, and I, I see a lot of change happening even further outside of our little oasis of, of, of Bloomington itself and to, to the counties and stuff. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, just giving the opportunity for people to be exposed. But yes, mm-hmm. there are pockets and some, and who knows what's going on in even our, our city churches <laughs> um, yeah. when it comes to, you know, conversion therapy. So, Kevin, I, I yeah. just sort of thought about this. Um, you're young. You're an IU student. You're a sophomore, right? Yep. So have you gone to experience much of Monroe County and the greater sort of south-central Indiana region? Yeah, absolutely. So I worked on a political campaign in the area, and so I got to travel around a bit and talk to talk to a lot of different um, different people with some different backgrounds. And, uh, and I also came... I, grew up in northern Indiana uh, in a pretty conservative area. Um, so I can just tell you from my own experiences, and, and you kind of touched on it, about um, coming out to your friends and right. to your family and that that is the easiest way to create acceptance in society is when you can uh, first and foremost build that personal relationship uh, with someone and then welcome them in uh, to, to the rest of your life and to say uh, – I'm so much more than my sexuality, but I want you to know this part of my life now. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, getting to know your neighbor is so critical. It looks like we're at the bottom of the hour, so we're going to kick it over to our engineer, Lucas, with events and a song. This week in Bloomington, we have a lot going on. Um, tonight at 8, or at 9.30 at the Bishop Bar, there are three bands playing. The Bishop Bar at 123 South Walnut Street. We have Living Hour, Luke, er, Look Vibrant, and Fresh Kill, and that's at the Bishop tonight. Um, tomorrow night, 
the Cowboys and ABC Gum at the Block House, 205 South College Avenue in the alley um, and downstairs from the back door. That starts at 8 p.m. Um, I think there's a $5 cover. Um, and then on March 10th, the Pie Run to Benefit Hoosier Hills Food Bank um, will be from 3 p.m. till 5, and that is at Karst Farm Park, 2450 South Enright Road, Bloomington. All right, uh, next we're going to listen to a song from Nathaniel Ratcliffe and The Night Sweats. called Wasting Time. It took a long time to get here to be with all of you guys. I 
I can't get over Maybe all we had always been right I never wanna love your game when you send it over Take on a whole life's fun to be here tonight Think on a time, 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 time You were just listening to Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats with Wasting Time from their Live at Red Rocks album. So we are joined in the studio by this wonderful guest, Kevin Mosensade. He's an IU sophomore who's currently running for the position of president of the IU Student Association as part of the Unite IU campaign. Kevin is also a member of the Public Relations Committee of the wildly successful IU Dance Marathon and served as an intern to the president of IUSA last year. Kevin, thanks for joining yeah, us in the studio. thank you for being here, Kevin. Being thanks on. for having me. Absolutely. So, Kevin, tell us a little bit about, we're going to kind of yeah. uh, talk more about, you know, what you're doing in your campaign, but kind of who you are and how you got started. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Um, so I'm from Northeast Indiana, Fort Wayne to be exact. Um, kind of got into public service and politics, uh, kind of runs in my family. My grandpa served in the military, so did my uncle. Kind of got it for them and took it in a different route, more political route. Um, and then when I got to campus, um, met the president of uh, IUSA, the student government on campus last mm-hmm. year. Um, my brother actually introduced us um, and then became an intern for her and just kind of helped out with some projects and learned a lot about the organization and have been a part of it ever since. Nice. So why politics? Um, I just I enjoy politics because, first of all, it's controversial. Um, I think that there's a lot of bad politicians out there. I think uh-huh. there's a lot of people that aren't in it for the right reasons. Um, and I think that politics is really uh, an excellent way to give back to your community, uh, whether it be on a, on a college campus or in a city like Bloomington or yeah. a state or, or even nationally. Um, and so I think we need more uh, good people involved in the political process. Right. It's, was there something that happened within your life that you thought, you know, I, I kind of got the bug and this is something I'd like to do, or was it just kind of naturally just... It just kind of naturally happened, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I think there is too much arguing in politics, but mm-hmm. one of the things that my too parents... Too much arguing. <laughs> one, of, but one of the things my parents always told me when I was young that was that I liked to argue. <laughs> be so a lawyer. They said, be a lawyer or be a politician. Right. Um but um so, so yeah cursed. yeah <laughs> so no it's important and you've worked on a couple of campaigns yeah i worked on a congressional cam- campaign in the area for liz watson and uh-huh. that was that oh. was a really good experience just uh interning with her not too long ago actually and 
Mm-hmm. Are you still helping out with that one? Yeah, when I can. Right. Uh, my my campaign now takes a lot of my time. You have to call her now. Hey, yes, <laughs> get over here. We need your help. Yeah, gotta give <laughs> trade. Gotta give the old yeah. Liz Watson bump. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. awesome. So um, you know, so you spent some time working with Liz Watson, yeah. and then this kind of what? How did you? Uh, how did this come up that you decided that you would like to run and be yeah. part of this? Um, so I actually I had stepped away from IUSA uh, for. A few months um, after last and, and, and I'm going to just interrupt for the listeners that might not know yeah. what ISUA is um, yeah. could you tell us absolutely so it's the official student government of IU Bloomington um, so every undergraduate and even graduate students can vote in the elections and we uh, advocate on behalf of the student body for policy changes um, most of our time is spent working with IU administration uh, to improve campus um, we've provided free women's menstrual products and bathrooms before. Um, we also worked with the Greek community to because they were about to get screwed over on their uh, housing agreement. And so we helped them uh, improve that. Um, and so we do a lot of uh, various things, but advocacy and then policy change okay, is what we cool, focus cool, on. Cool. Yeah. So my big question is, what do you see on campus and that needs to change or needs some, you know, fresh perspectives or advocacy? Because even for myself, I've been removed from IU now for four and a half years and it feels like a lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So there's just a lot of things, a lot of little grievances that go unnoticed by IU administration. And that's not really their fault. It's just that the student body doesn't realize that they have a student government there to represent them and to uh, relay those concerns um, to faculty and and to uh, President McRobbie and others. And so, for example, one of the things um, is that the current uh, grade system that we use is on a website or a a product called Canvas. And a lot of professors... um, we think that they don't really know how to use it um, and that they haven't been trained properly. And so that's... What do you mean by that? I mean, So they, they, the professors will like post your grades in Canvas, or at least they're supposed to, and that's not happening. Um, and, and how are our students finding... So if your professor doesn't post, yeah. do you go in and send an email? You or? sometimes... I've had a class where I didn't know my grade until after the semester was over and until it had been uploaded to my transcript and that's when i found out my final grade for the class so it's a really big that's a that's something that we can work together to fix um and it's something that will really improve um student life on on campus but um so hopefully that kind of answers your question in terms of yeah absolutely um and also, you have a little bit of a unique perspective as uh, a queer individual. Yeah. Um, does that, you know, sort of impact how you see some of the issues or perhaps uh, who might kind of like come to you to like ask about specific things or ask for advocacy sure. on a certain issue? Yeah, well, I think uh, just being a queer individual has really... Um, made me a more empathetic person. So I think I, I think I relate to people when they're struggling with whatever issue um, mm-hmm. it is. And one of the things that uh, plagues our campus, if you will, is mental health. Um, and so, especially in the LGBTQ community, a lot of people struggle with uh, their mental well-being and it's not prioritized enough. Um, it's not treated well enough. And so there's improvements that we can have. Have you had like you know, is uh, other students come up to you? Yeah, and you've like yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, so a lot of students across campus, we have a CAPS program, which is uh, Counseling and Psychological right. Services. Um, and students talk all the time about how we need to improve that. And improvements have been made in the past, and a lot of those were dealing um, with increasing the funding that went to that program. Mm-hmm. Um, and we now want to move towards, okay, let's get those resources to students. And so one of the things that we're focusing on with Unite IU is um, to implement online scheduling. Um, because one of the things that I know from my own personal experiences is that when you feel that you need to go to a counselor, um, that the hardest thing to do sometimes is to pick up the phone, right. is to schedule that. And so that's what students currently have to do. And we kind of think that it's unacceptable that we don't have an online platform, which helps more students get in the door um, and improves the... Have you gotten resistance from that? Or they just said, we just haven't thought of that? They or? CAPS has tried to work on it in the past. Um, and I have not had... Uh, lengthy conversations just yet um, with the director about um, how they've tried to go about it in the past. Um, but when I think about the fact that some doctor's offices have it um, and just the amount of things that you can do online, um, I think it's 2018. Let's let's right. bring it up to speed here. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good for you. So uh, let's, you know, take it back a little bit. Let's yeah. talk about Kevin. Uh, what are you studying here yeah. at IU? Yeah, I'm a law and public policy major with a minor in public management. So the goal is to hopefully get into law school and, and become a practicing lawyer someday. Oh, that's awesome. So it, th- this is all a part of uh, building that resume, right? Yeah. The bigger yeah. picture. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So Absolutely. hopefully we can all say interviewing with a future congressman yeah, <laughs> maybe someday <laughs> we'll see we got yeah. a long time first lady could be a lot of things right who knows so as far as your components your, your folks out there um, that you're going up against yeah how are you different than yeah well I think we just have a really good blend of experience um, and also n- fresh and new ideas um, and the things that our student government really needs um and also with that is a lot of dedication and passion because one of the issues that we've seen on campus is that we come up with these great ideas, um, but we don't follow through on the implementation of them mm. because these things are long processes. They take sometimes multiple years and you have to be very dedicated to what you're doing and very passionate about the work that you're doing and believe in it fully. And so our staff really has that, those characteristics. And can you talk or at least go into a little bit of detail specifically about the platform of Unite IU? Because yeah. uh, there's a few different like uh, student government groups, right, on campus? or Yeah, yeah, there's a few. Um, so we are the, the main one on mm-hmm. campus, though. Um, we have the closest relationship with the Dean of Students and with uh, President McRobbie. Um, And I can tell you, Unite's platform, one of the things that we've tried to do is focus on long and short-term goals and trying to find a balance in between there. Um, And so really the whole idea has been improving IU today and building it for tomorrow um, and trying to find some of those small changes such as the grades on Canvas that we talked about um, and improving those so that students today can feel the effects of their student government and help help build that confidence uh, in student representation. 
Absolutely. Uh, I, I always feel like that is one of the biggest things is, especially these days, people feel a little bit disenfranchised. Yeah. Um, is there a way, how do you sort of engage people then yeah. who might feel a little bit distant to their student representatives or feeling like, you know, my my suggestions will fall on deaf ears if I'm, you know, to, you know, we can make this better. Yeah. Well, I think the most important thing is just getting out there and talking to students. Uh, so a lot of people, a lot of students on campus don't know that they have a student government. If you ask them about IUSA, they don't know what it is. And that's always been an issue. And that's something we're going to right. try to improve. And that's really, again, it's it's effort-based. It's getting out there. It's talking to people. It's following think, through on what um, you say just, you're going to do. Just, uh, you know, what's going on with just politics today yeah. that you're seeing more students um, becoming interested in student government? and um, Or are you finding it kind of still flat that people aren't taking it as serious as you would like them to? I think I think students are, uh, especially here at, here at IU, are engaging more on the national in the mm-hmm. uh, in that type of arena and right. not so much in their student government. Um, and so one of the things that we would love to do is to tap into that energy um, because it, it, it is there and it is prevalent and we see it. Right. In, in and I think, you know, to. a lot of times people don't understand, you know, as you're kind of talking about what, what, what are the things that you can help change and people just assume you know like kind of your class president from high school Mm -hmm. you know we're gonna you know get more (laughs) apples on our plate or something we're a little more than that right right (laughs) and i think that's you know and i think that's always been kind of the struggle with this particular you know student government is getting people to understand that you know that changes can happen and benefit we've got to get out there and and tell students what we're doing and what we're able to do and so one of the things that we talked about earlier was a hate crimes bill and that's something that we're we plan to lobby for next year and in um, the big picture yeah in the big picture okay um is to is to lobby for that um because we do have a lot of connections um in the general assembly and so that's something that we we do as a state and legislative affairs team as a uh, gay student at iu yeah. um do you feel that you're well represented in, the, in this representative as far as um you know being comfortable yeah. on campus and yeah. having a voice and Absolutely. I think, I think uh, Bloomington is a very special place um, in terms of that. Um, other places outside of Bloomington, kind of as we talked about, um, maybe not so much. Um, but here campus is, itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Campus, campus itself, too. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're very accepting of the LGBTQ community um, and that type of thing. And I think um, I know I came out after I came to campus and maybe that was part of it. I haven't right. done too much analysis on that, uh-huh. but uh but yeah, I think I think it. They, we do welcome people, and I think there is a there is a very strong and supportive uh, LGBTQ community within your campaign. Is that one of the, are you under the the gay banner, or is it just kind of a side note that I'm, you know, this is who I am, yeah. I'm gay second, or is this something yeah. that you're passionate about that you think that more changes and you know yeah. things need to happen for the GBLTQ community on yeah. on uh, <laughs> campus? Why are you laughing at me? Oh, I'm uh, messing up my no, no, because because we needed Rachel to throw in a few <laughs> right. You know, just correct me. On yeah, that, right. Q, QG T. L. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so on. She, she's the best at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the alphabet soup. Um, well, I would have to say that it is kind of uh, 
it's part of who I am, uh-huh. um, but I would not say that it is part of our platform okay. necessarily. Just because, as I kind of mentioned, uh, IU is already such a welcoming right. place, um, and that we only have a certain amount of time and resources, and so this is not something that we necessarily wanted to devote a lot of those uh, right. to. Okay, great. Yeah. Now, is there sort of any interaction, in a sense, between like IUSA? the school administration and Bloomington itself or like uh, certain, you know, maybe governmental groups yeah. or like uh, uh, special, I, I kind of use special interest and <laughs> air quotes in this instance, but, you know, certain uh, groups within the sort of Bloomington IU community. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so one of the things that we're pushing is that IU students are a part of the Bloomington community. And so in the past, Iowa State has, has had a great relationship with the city of Bloomington and with Mayor Hamilton, uh, working on a wide range of issues. And so that's been really good to see, and we, we really hope that we can continue that. Awesome, yeah. I, I know Mayor Hamilton's always enthusiastic to see people, you know, raring to <laughs> get involved Absolutely. and want to contribute to the Bloomington community. Uh, so are there any projects that either beyond either canvas that you kind of would like to see happen or perhaps uh just something that has happened in the past that you just sort of want people to know a little bit more about to you know show that these changes can happen yeah yeah i think um i think kind of outside of the maybe the change thing is is we want to make iu feel more like a home because there's a lot of people on campus. I had someone on my staff that told me, I don't consider IU to be my home. And that just kind of broke my heart. And so one of the things that we want to do is host a legislative forum. And the objective of that is to connect students with representatives from the area because this is our home and to start building those relationships and those connections to the community and to IU. Yeah, and all starts with the discussion, right? Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, that's great. So when is the actual election? The election is March 27th and 28th. Uh, voting, you'll, students will get an email and then with a link to vote, and you can start doing that at 10 a.m. on March 27th. Okay, and how about somebody wants to find some information out on, on you? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a website. It's www.uniteiu2018.com, and we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just all over the place. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, great. Um, well, it looks like we're almost out of time. And before we, we, we go, let's take a moment and thank uh, our fantastic guest, uh, Zach. Um, Kevin, I'm <laughs> called you Zach. I don't know why Zach. It's my name. pleasure. Kevin, an additional thank you to all of our listeners and volunteers who make this possible. Blooming Out is produced by Alex Ashkin. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas... Uh, is our engineer and for Blooming Out and WFHV I'm Alex Ashkin (laughs) and I'm Frankie Preslav tune in next week for a brand new Blooming Out and every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. on WFHB volunteered powered community radio